Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damien here with my co-hosts, Matt and David. Uh, today, we're going to break down the ALCS and the NLCS, uh, break down the World Series, give our predictions, and we had a couple managers get hired this past week. But before we get into all of that, how are you doing, David? I'm tired. We're recording a little late tonight, but, uh, you know, looking forward to, to the World Series. We're in this kind of four or five day lull where they originally had, you know, games five, six and seven scheduled and uh, none, of the, none of the games were needed, it turns out. So all the series were pretty short. Uh, Matt, how you doing with uh, this break in playoff baseball? Uh, well, um, I feel like I've had a couple weeks break because I've been, uh, been out of town for the last from last Saturday till Sunday. So uh I've been uh, been away. I've been watching though, and uh, been um, I don't know. I don't really want a break from baseball, but we've got it anyway. So we're about to have a really long break here in about two weeks. So just in time for uh, for the college football season to get in full on ramp mode and get ready for the playoffs there. But uh, it was an excited weekend there for me, being an Oregon fan, having the uh, the big game against UCLA. So that was pretty fun. But you know, definitely was tuning into the uh, to the playoff games. They were really exciting, especially in the, the uh, Padres and Phillies series, which we'll get to a little bit later. But uh, before we jump into that stuff, let's go over the the managers that were hired over the past um, you know, couple days, and, and we'll go ahead and start with the Texas Rangers. It was a guy who was widely rumored. I mean, I know we really didn't talk about it because of the uh, the postseason going on, but uh, San Francisco Giants old manager Bruce Bochy, it's where most people know him from, uh, is coming back to the manager position after retiring after the 2019 season and taking the helm of the Texas Rangers. Yeah, uh, this is interesting. Um, I mean, Bruce Bochy, his record is obviously well. Actually, we we're just I was just kind of talking about it, his record as a manager just wins loss record is not that great uh he, he actually has a losing record as a manager in his career but uh his track record is extremely good um three-time world series champion in 2010 2012 and 2014 with the giants he also won the pennant with the uh with the padres uh, back in the 1998 season um and uh he's a He's a he's an interesting guy here. He's he's kind of another one of those uh, you know former star managers, uh, you know potential future Hall of Fame manager with the three World Series titles. And uh, he um, he's another one of those guys that's in those upper sixties, low seventies that seem to be kind of making a little bit of a comeback. You know, like Dusty Baker, Brian Snicker, uh, 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 the, the Mets manager, um, Show Walter, <laughs> Melvin, some of these guys that are a little bit older, uh, have been around a long time, kind of making a comeback. I'm not going to include Tony LaRusa in that because he was in, yeah. in an even different scenario. But, um, you know, Bruce Bochy retired after 2019. I think kind of the, the, the phase that the Giants were going into in 2019 probably had something to do with that a lot of their veteran players were getting older and you know getting closer to retirement and they're they're looking like they were about to go into a rebuild and you know when you've been a manager for 20 something years you start to kind of think i don't know if i want to go through a full rebuilding process with the with this team so uh that retirement made sense then but uh you know the rangers trying to compete again uh they're bringing in somebody who they believe is going to be able to reunite a clubhouse and, and do things similar to to how you know because a lot of those older managerial guys at, 
it, it's worked out in a lot of cases. I mean, Brian Snickers worked out, even though that was kind of a first time shot, but uh, Buck Showalter, you know, he did really well for the Mets this year, you know, kind of making sure that they didn't fall apart during the regular season. Um, you know, Bob Melvin, uh, obviously he just, he's kind of one of those older guys too, but Dusty Baker coming back, you know, when, when the Astros needed him, obviously has done a fantastic job there. So, uh, definitely, uh, definitely another one of those wave of, uh, older guys who seem to be doing a pretty good job. And, uh, we'll see what happens to Bruce Bochy. I think the, I think the, uh, the Rangers are going to need a lot more, um, you know, a lot more is going to have to be in, put into that roster for them to be competitive than just different manager. But uh, but we'll see what happens. That, that'll be coming up soon. Yeah, Damien, I was going to let you give your little fact that you found regarding Boji's hiring, because I think it's real interesting. But uh, mine one quick note before Damien goes into this, because I don't have a whole lot on Bruce Boji. Um, but they are retaining Tony Beasley, the Rangers are, as part of the staff, and I think that's a good move. We've seen a lot of interim managers get uh, hired to, the, to that job, Rob Thompson being kind of the primary example of that. So, um, you know, good to see uh, Beasley get a chance. The Rangers were, hit, you know, the manager wasn't really the problem with the Rangers this year, so uh, uh, good for him to, to get that role. Yeah, one little thing that, um, you know, David kind of hinted at there that I – I found just as the kind of the hiring was happening and kind of diving back into why Bochi would, would come back. You know, he, he had a forever job with the Giants. He took that, that you know, retirement and, and most people right off there. But um, the big thing that, I, that was, I was able to find was in Bruce Bochi's last season as the manager of the San Diego Padres in 2006, it was the first year of now Texas Rangers president GM Chris Young's first season in San Diego. Um, so they overlapped there. Bochi was the manager for Chris Young who played that year. Um, so Chris Young has that relationship of, he knows how Bochi handles a clubhouse day in and day out, how we can handle, um, a staff and, and coaching staff. So I found that really interesting that like, you know, most times the GM, you know, doesn't really have a, a great history of what a manager's like behind closed doors where with Chris Young, he has firsthand experience of Bruce Bochi. So maybe he, he was able to take something from that and sees exactly what he can do for this team that is kind of looking to make that swing around and, and start looking competitive. They dove in last year into the free agency. I expect them to be heavy players again this year. And, you know, Bochi is always a guy who can usually get the most out of a team um, that doesn't have the top tier talent. It will be interesting to see how he hand handles the, uh, the three batter minimums, though, because he was always a guy who played extreme strategy there with uh, one batters or two batters per per reliever there yeah and uh what what other kind of interesting I, I found when i was kind of researching bruce Bochi to kind of you know remind myself on him but um he uh he actually there, there's actually two interesting notes he was a catcher back in the from the 78 to 87 and there are two really interesting things about him the first thing is that he hit the only walk-off home run ever allowed by nolan ryan it was one of his 26 career home runs and the other thing was he was actually the catcher when Pete Rose broke the hits record. He was the catcher uh, in that game. So I thought that was a couple of kind of interesting little tidbits on him that I don't uh, I never knew. So, uh, but just kind of throw out there. But uh, those definitely part of some baseball history there. 
Absolutely. Well, let's go from a manager who has a Hall of Fame track record to a first-time manager that's going to be stepping into the, that role. And that's with the Miami Marlins hiring uh, longtime utility guy Skip Schumacher as their new manager. Yeah, Skip, you might remember Skip Schumacher from the 2006 and 2011 World Series. Uh, he was part of the Cardinals organization, and uh, I remember him very well for beating up on the Cubs and not versus pretty much anybody else. Uh, he was very much a utility guy, uh, one of those Cardinals devil magic type of players, um, and he's been one of those hot manager commodity um, names over the last couple of like seasons. When when you see it, you know those those kinds of guys pop up, and uh, it seems like the the utility role is getting a lot of run in terms of, you know, these managers, you've got, you know, guys like Rocco Baldelli and uh, Craig council is, is kind of who this reminds me of as a guy who uh, played a while. He wasn't really impactful on the roster, but ended up being a, a really kind of a smart manager who's made a long career out of it. Uh, I think Skip Schumacher can probably fill this same role for the Marlins. And uh, you know, he's going to be the guy who's going to lead them into, you know, possibly their next window of contention. So, um, you know, this is Kim Kim Ning's first uh, first managerial hire because they've had Don Mattingly since she got there. So, um, you know, this was her guy, and and we'll we'll see what he's got. Yeah, um, one thing that I think the Marlins needed was they need a little bit more juice with that team. Um, they have a they had a team that was it seemed like they were kind of I won't say they were lackadaisical or anything, but they just don't don't seem to have a lot of confidence. Um, obviously playing in a division with, you know, two 100 win teams plus the third team that's now in the World Series hurts the Marlins a lot. But, um, you know, it feels like they just need somebody that can kind of give them a little bit more confidence. And, you know, uh, Schumacher's a younger guy. You know, he wasn't long ago. He was still playing, in, you know, 2016 or 2015. He was still playing. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that I think uh, – I don't know a ton about him, but he's been with – you know, the Padres for a few years um, as first base coach. And then he was with St. Louis this year uh, as the bench coach. So, uh, you know, he's been around some teams that have been in the postseason and he's had a little bit of experience with teams that, you know, maybe didn't make it late in the season. Like he was on the Padres team that kind of collapsed in 2021. So uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. I think, um, you know, managers don't, matter a ton because at the end of the day baseball is a one-on-one game and the players matter more than anything else but you know they needed somebody there that could help kind of i think that think don mattingly was kind of a bad fit for the the current phase of that team so um but we'll see uh hopefully skip schumacher does a good job there and uh you know we'll see what happens yeah, and one thing with schumacher is, is what you were kind of mentioning is that the marlins kind of lack that kind of energy per se like the the confidence behind and, and Schumacher as a player maybe he wasn't have didn't bring a lot of confidence but he always brought energy to a team um you know even with his season it was I believe it was 2013 he was with the Dodgers he was kind of like what Hans Roberto was to them this year he was an energy guy on the bench who when he got in he would he'd bring energy to that but he just kept everyone loose and even listening to or, or reading up on some of the comments just from Wentz he got hired today about people within the Cardinals organization. They say how fierce he is still with the players today, even just as a bench coach. So I feel like him going into that manager role with a young team there that is, 
you know, kind of in the same situation as the Rangers. They dove in a free agency last year. They are going to probably dive a little bit more into it this year, and they want to start swinging towards being competitive again. A guy like Skip Schumacher really helps fill that that void that they were missing the last couple of years from that managerial position of being, uh, you know, fierce and, and bringing energy to the team. But that wraps it up for our managerial hires um, for this week. Uh, I don't think we have any real other leads on any of the other positions yet. Um, but as that happens, we'll bring it to you. But let's go ahead and jump over to breaking down the LCSs. And we'll go ahead and start in the American League with the Astros and Yankees. And uh, Matt, what did you take away from this series? Well, I took away that um, the Yankees were not as good as they, they had a very hot start to the season. And, but I think at the end of the day, they ended up being who we thought they were, in, they were coming into the season. Um, they just weren't. They just had a lot of holes. I mean, they, they, the bullpen, granted, had some injuries in it. But, uh, you know, we kind of thought coming in that their bullpen wasn't going to be quite as good as it had been. Uh, that hurt them. Their starting pitching, uh, you know, it was like we coming in, we kind of thought, you know, coming into the season, we kind of thought Garrett Cole, and then it gets a little dicey. And it turns out, well, Garrett Cole was part of the diciness in this series. But, um, you know, it it's not – it wasn't – the starting pitching's not great for them. And then you look at the lineup and it was like, you know, you got a few stars like Aaron judge. And then you've got, you know, at the bottom of your lineup, you've got rookies. Like you got like, uh, you know, a Cabrera and then a Kiner Falefa, you know, uh, Oswaldo Peraza was in there a lot. It's just, you know, this team was not quite as good and had a lot of, expensive veterans too that were underperforming like Donaldson underperformed here in the playoffs really bad. I mean, you, you, you had a, you had a lot of issues on this roster and uh, at the end of the day, they made it a long way. Um, you know, they kind of lucked out in, in playing Cleveland in the, you know, in the, in the first round, um, you know, but they made it a long way, but they're just not, this Yankees roster had too many holes in it. And, and the Astros are just an absolute like juggernaut this year. I mean, they've got four starters that are as, you know, just interchangeable. I don't, I don't know if I'd call them inter- completely interchangeable because Verlander probably is their best. But still, I mean, they got four starters who you, you're con- convinced are going to go six innings without giving up more than two runs every every time out. And then you know, their bullpen isn't the deepest, but it's pretty good. And then their lineup, I mean, they've just got guys for one through six are all like all-star level hitters. And then their last couple guys, they've, you know, they've been able to come up big. I mean, Martin Maldonado even had a few big hits in the series. So I'm not super surprised that they, I, I, I didn't expect a sweep, but I'm not surprised that all the Astros won. And I mean, that pitching is just, like, it's just, it's just insane. I mean, you combine like one of the best lineups in baseball with one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. And it's just what you're going to get. So good for the Astros. Um, you know, they've got, they've gotten a lot of flack in the past, but I think they're kind of proving that the 2017, you know, cheating scandal didn't really, you know, that they're really, really, really good juggernaut dynasty, regardless of that. So um, good for the Astros. They, they've proven a lot over the last couple of years. If I were to ask you who the Yankees home run leader in the playoffs was, who would you have guessed? Harrison Bader. It is Harrison Bader. 
But if Cheater. I put it up, you never would have thought of that. The, watch the game. Harrison Bader's been the guy. He hit five home runs in the playoffs for the Yankees this year, and uh, I think maybe two were hit by Rizzo. I think he's probably the other one, Anthony Rizzo and Harrison Bader. I think one. And ju- I think Judge hit two in the in the um, the, d- the division series. Oh, yeah, but Judge yeah. was one for 16 in the series. The Astros absolutely shut him down. And the 60, I think it's 64 home runs season that Judge had, that, that'll be all it is. Uh, Judge will not get to play for the, the World Series, and he'll go into free agency. A just You can't win a series against the Astros, especially a seven-game series, when the only players in your team who are hitting are Harrison Bader and Anthony Rizzo. Um, and, and that's what happened for the Yankees there. Uh, they, they got outpitched point blank. I mean, the, the Astros shut down their their big hitters and and the Yankees couldn't you know shut them down in in reverse uh, I think Garrett Cole was a little fatigued too he had been called on him and Nestor Cortez both had kind of had to carry the mantle for the Yankees through the the division series and they they were pretty clearly wiped out uh, by the time you got to this series I mean the way it it stacked up the Yankees had to play you know they had a an extra day that they through through the rain delay then they had to jump right into the Astros series and it was a stressful close game and the Astros had already swept the Mariners. It, it just set up so well for the Astros in this series. Um, you know, the Astros heroes are like Jeremy Pena wins the MVP. He, he obviously had a really good series. He's had a really good season and he would be in rookie of the year talks if was, <laughs> if uh, Rodriguez for the Mariners and Adley Rutschman weren't, weren't uh, also rookies this year, but um you know he's had an incredible season, and then uh, Chaz McCormick hit the the go ahead home run in in Game Four to put away the Yankees. So I mean, even the the Astros' low hitters like like Pena and McCormick, guys who weren't really carrying their team through the regular season, uh, showed up and carried them in the playoffs. So uh, you know Jose Altuve still hasn't shown up, and I I can't help but wonder if the World Series is where we see a you know a couple of big games from Jose Altuve. Um, this this team's really dangerous in the World Series, and uh, the Phillies are going to have to watch out because uh, this team is is coming in hot. They're coming in fresh. They swept uh, they swept the Yankees, and they they haven't had any trouble so far. I don't think they've lost a postseason game yet. Uh, they haven't. Um, you know, it, it absolutely feels like a Jose Altuve like World Series MVP like terror is going to happen this mm-hmm. year, um, just because he hasn't done anything. But you know, for it, it being a sweep, really. Get, there was only the one real game, which was game three, that kind of was, you know, controlled by the Astros. I mean, it was five nothing. The other ones were four two, three two, and six five. But it seems like it, it felt like watching the games that the Astros just dominated this entire series. Even though they were they were close games for three of them, it just feels like anytime the Yankees did anything, the Astros had an immediate answer. Or, or the Astros would would come out there and they'd take the lead, and then the Yankees would fight back, and they would they would say like we're right back in this game, and then like the next time or, or either inning or two innings later, the Astros would just be like no, it's ours again, and, and it, they just dominated it. You know, we've talked about the Astros, how good they are. We mentioned it last week on last week's episode, David and I, how they we we felt like this was all of us picked the Astros, but we felt like the the Yankees having that. Sh- that long series against Cleveland, the rain delays and having to jump right into this, it was going to be really hard to beat the Astros in the first place, but having to deal with that going into this series, it just felt like it was the, the blow that the Yankees really couldn't afford to happen. Um, 
you know, and then Nestor Cortez was supposedly dealing with a groin injury as well. So the two innings that he did come in and pitch, they weren't really effective in this series. And then you had guys like Stanton and Judge and Donaldson not really show up. I mean, their second best hitter was well, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa in this series for the Yankees. That's Rizzo. Kiner-Falefa was their best. But Well, sure. yeah, batting average-wise, but that doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, I mean, th- still, you're talking about your third best hitter is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa in yeah. – in the Yankees lineup, you can't have that trying to beat the Houston Astros. Um, that team is, it's going to be really, really hard to beat them in the, in the next series. You know, even in this series, they swept them and Jordan Alvarez didn't look that great. I mean, I think he might might still have that shoulder injury from, from diving after a ball. No. Yeah. But he hit two, he hit two fourteen in 14 at bats, zero homers. Mm -hmm. And he struck out six times. Yeah. Like if, if the Astros were able to dominate like that without Jordan Alvarez being, you know, the player that we know him to be, what mm-hmm. are they going to do if he, you know, has some rest days here and, and gets healthy before this World Series run? But um, Kyle Tucker only two hits too. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah that, the Astros really weren't. They didn't really hit hit the ball all that hard. It was mostly mostly the pitching and and Jeremy Pena's kind of clutch home runs there. Yeah, well, you, you got to remember too with the Astros, like you can have two or three guys in that lineup because that lineup is so good, top to bottom. You can have two or three guys in that lineup that are struggling and still score four or five runs a game. I mean, it's just because I mean, what, when those two guys aren't hitting, well, Bregman's hitting and Guriel's hitting, mm-hmm. and you know, you got Jeremy Pena's hitting. But then, like next series, you might have Altuve and Jordan end up stepping up and Tucker. I mean, they just, there's six guys in that lineup who truly scare any team that they're playing and then there's two guys at the bottom that aren't typically great hitters but i mean they, they can throw they can throw someone off the bench that can hit too and this is a team that's missing one of their best hitters too i mean all year michael brantley's been missing so it's like mm-hmm. it's crazy how good this astros team is and, and that's not even to mention how great that pitching is and, and one other thing too the yankees defense was bad in this series in, in crucial times they had the that play and i think it was in game four where glaber torres just threw the ball into left field for no reason instead of just flipping it to second base for the easy out he tried to like backhand it and then you had the play where the outfielders collided in right center field with judge and uh and bader they miscommunicated like it was just a mess for the yankees in the series in general Mm -hmm. so it really was is this the uh i I know we're kind of going long long here but i want to is this the end of the Brian Cashman era? Yeah, I was gonna. That was what I was gonna ask you. Actually, was our Boone? The the report right now is that Cashman and Boone will be back, but the Yankees need to do something um, because they have been. They've lost to the Astros in the championship series three times. That's all the times they've been to the the championship series. They have not made it to the World Series in the Judge era. Garrett Cole, all of this that they've been doing, they have not been able to go to the World Series, not to mention win it. So they are going to need to shift something. I don't know that it's going to be Cashman yet, especially after the report, but they need to make a change. Yeah, and, and looking at Cashman too, like the last few years, like the Yankees have really not made that many impressive moves. I mean, that's my point. Like they, and you know, you've kind of seen this coming from the outside, but. I mean, they're going after big name guys that they're, they're kind of stuck in that, you know, high payroll team that doesn't really that that 
it's relying solely on the payroll type thing right now. I mean, it, it's like kind of like how the Dodgers were in the 2000s where they were just kind of mm. going after veteran players and signing them to ridiculous contracts like Carl Crawford or, you know, some of these guys who, and then they ended up not, they ended up being on the decline when they got there. I mean, that's what the Yankees are doing. I mean, like the Donaldson trade. I mean, Gio Urshela was just as good of a player as Donaldson this year. And you gave away Gary Sanchez too in that. And I mean, it's like, you know, you've got, you, you know, you got the Chapman still there, and he's – you didn't really – you know, you've traded for Frankie Montas while he had a shoulder injury, knowing he had a shoulder injury, and rely, relying on him to be your number two in the playoffs. I mean, it, it's just kind of like uh, – I don't know. I mean, they traded Jordan well, Montgomery. They could have used him. I mean, I know Bader had a good play, postseason, but uh, Jordan Montgomery was great for the Cardinals. So I mean, look I mean, at I, the – Look at the Scott Efros for Hayden yeah. Wesneski trade. Yeah, you traded Efros ended up with Tommy John, and yeah, Wesneski looks prospect. great. Yeah, he traded a great prospect for a guy who, you know, is, you know, a reliever for that matter with a with a good season this year, but not a long track record. I mean, it could have just yeah. as soon happened that he just fell off a cliff because he's a reliever with a not long track record. I mean, so it's it's definitely going to be interesting to to think about what what they might end up doing. Um, but you know, for a team with the payroll that the Yankees run every year, you know, to not have played in the world series since 2009, when they won it last, it's been 13 years now since they've even been there and that's starting to get, I mean, I'm sure Yankees fans are starting to get really restless and and they're about to lose their best player potentially in free agency. So, um, definitely, uh, definitely some, some time, some important, I'll I'll call them important times for for the Yankees right now. They're going to have to do something this off season. They're going to have to do a couple of somethings this offseason because, first of all, you're going to have to try and re-sign Aaron Judge after you lowballed him last year. And then on top of that, we've already seen that this team's not good enough to do something or to, you know, beat the Astros in the playoffs multiple years in a row. So you're going to need to do something else. You're going to need to do another big move in there if it's another big trade somewhere, if it's a, a move for you know, a short, one of the big shortstops. I mean, we know they were supposedly interested in the shortstop market last year. Didn't do anything. We are going to have another chance this year with a good shortstop class again. Um, so it, it just really feels like, I mean, Cashman's feels like the last couple of years, he's already been on the last leg, but then with this year as well, with everything that's happened, maybe, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen that quick, but, and I could see a, a scenario where, you know, we're talking in the after the World Series that Brian Cashman's not with yeah. the Yankees anymore. Yeah, and Quick. one more. Th- hey, oh, go, go ahead, ahead David. Okay, okay. The, as I say, it might it might be the same thing you're going to ask, but think about the free agents this year. If you're looking at this Yankees team, which is about to lose Aaron Judge, who just had the the best season of the twenty the two thousands essentially since Barry Bonds, right? You you have they're losing that potentially. And then the next best position player on that roster was Jose Trevino per, per wins above replacement. Like, mm-hmm. are you choosing to go to the Yankees? Are you thinking they're going to be a contender? I mean, this is a team that may, they just traded for a guy, you know, they're one of their best starting pitching prospects for a guy who isn't going to be playing next year. Yeah. I mean, like, to, to me, the one thing about the, the allure to the Yankees is two different things. It's history. Right, we see that play time and time again. History slash market, whatever. I kind of group that into one, one yeah. thing, and then money, like yeah. the Steinbrenners. Be able to, the be Stein, able to pay. Yeah, the Steinbrenners will be able to pay. 
right? So you're going to get people that want to go to the Yankees regardless of if it's the biggest contract or not, and then they can still offer the biggest contract. And you know that they will not be bad for a long time because nobody will will stand for it, right? It's not like you're going to have them be a team that's stuck in in that fringe playoff spot for many years to come. It's like, no, if the Yankees are in that spot, they're going to make big moves. They're not going to be satisfied, you know, satisfied with, with being a 500 team or, or something. Here's, yeah. here's my one cautionary tale with that. And then I'll let Matt go. And then we can get into the, the NL. If the Yankees try to spend their way out of this, I think it's going to collapse in and fail miserably. I think this is the kind of thing that's, it's organizational and you have to rebuild your team from kind of from the ground up. It's what's what the Cubs are in the middle of doing right now. The Yankees are trading away top end pitching prospects who are good enough to come up and pitch as relievers right now. And they traded them for relievers and for a starter with an injury. Like how can you be expecting to spend money intelligently to build a, a championship winning team when you had the, maybe the solution in your bullpen sitting in triple a and you traded him away. Yeah. So yeah, anyway. Yeah. And I had, and, and I had, you know, kind of piggybacking off of that. I, I had two, two thoughts that the first thing is that the, you know, the Yankees, their, their payroll is always going to be high. And, and obviously the Steinbrenners are willing to pay, but they're not, they're not maybe quite as willing to spend at the level the Dodgers and the Mets have. I mean, it's not like they've been out there, like just blowing away the luxury tax, just spending, you know, writing blank checks to everybody, like like they like like when George was was in charge back in the day, like they they're they're not payroll conscious really. They're top five in payroll every year. Obviously, they're the Yankees. They've got the, you know, the the bases. They're gonna they're gonna make them make all that money back. But, you know, it's not like they've been out there. And, and I'll tell you, the thing about that is that like when you're not just going to ignore money basically, which it doesn't look, seem like they're ignoring money when you're not ignoring money. You've got Garrett Cole on that gigantic contract, which is a good contract because Garrett Cole's still really good. But then you got Stanton on that huge contract. You've got, you know, Donald's, I think Donaldson's back next year and he's owed a lot of money. Like, you know, I think, uh, you know, their, their payroll is not dropping much. They're going to have some arb bumps. I'm sure like their payroll is not really dropping. And, you know, a lot of their guys are, you know, like, like they're, they're going to have to resign. If they, if they want to contend next year, they're going to either resign Judge or have to sign somebody to, you know, to counteract that production. I mean, if it wasn't for Judge having a historic year, I don't think the Yankees are, I think the Yankees are, a, if he, Judge has a normal Judge year, which is, you know, a, a really good player, but not, you know, best season in 10 years type player. Um, then you went, they went 90, 80, 88, 90 games this year. I mean, it's just kind of how it is. So, um, I don't know. And, and then the last thing I was going to say is that you look at, um, I, I think they need to look at Aaron Boone too, because I think there's something, there's two things about the Yankees clubhouse. I think that they kind of get caught up in the fact that they're the Yankees they haven't been there in a long time and they choke in the postseason a little bit. And also Boone's out there making excuses all the time about he's always you know he's said press conferences a bunch of times just kind of whining about the umpires which is fine to, to disagree with the umpires i mean i disagree with the umpires constantly but that's not really the type of thing you need to set in your as your 
attitude. And then the the whole like complaining about the Astros having the roof open and how the Yankees just got unlucky uh, because the Alex Bregman's home run should have been a home run. Well, it would have been a home run at Yankee Stadium for one thing. And for another thing, stop whining. Like, stop making yeah. excuses. Uh, you're the Yankees. The, the Yankees didn't make excuses other times that they lost. Aaron Boone's making excuses. So they need to – They, I think they need to make a change there. So. Yeah, we didn't mention that, but you're right. That was not a good look, I don't think. Yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting offseason to be a Yankees fan either way because either some change is going to happen or they're going to have to make some big moves so change doesn't happen next year. Um, so interesting to watch from from that perspective. But let's go ahead and jump over to the National League side and and go to the Phillies and Padres series, which was obviously, the, I think it's easy to say, the more fun series to watch in this one. But uh, the atmosphere in San Diego and in Philadelphia were absolutely electric. So, David, what were your takeaways from this series? Do you remember, we were talking last week, and do you remember what we said right at the beginning of – the show when we were talking about these these two teams and who the keys were going to be for the Phillies because we nailed it 100%. Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber hit five home runs collectively in this series. They were on base the entire series, 14 hits between them. They they put together 20% championship win probability added. I We freaking nailed it. We knew that if the Phillies were going to win this thing, those two were going to have to go nuts. They absolutely did. They had some assistance from Reese Hoskins, who hit four home runs. Um, the Phillies' offense in this one was just spectacular. They put together the huge hits. I mean, the Bryce Harper home run in, I think it's game five, to put the the, the Phillies up. It might be game four. It was game, um, five. Was, game five. It was game five. It was just one of the biggest baseball moments that we've seen in years, man. They, the Phillies have the top two moments in this playoffs. I think uh, you had the, the Reese Hoskins bat slam last week and, and this week with the Harper home run. They, they are what appears to be the team of destiny. Um, the, the 87 win Phillies who are, were the lowest win total team. And they came in Zach Wheeler shoved twice. Uh, for for a win, and then uh, I think that was Game Five where he was able to get them to um, striking distance where Bryce Harper could put him away at the end of the game. Just uh, the Phillies are a flawed roster. They they put together with a lot of free agents and a few young guys, but man, they're a fun team to watch. And and we kind of knew they would be from from the off season going in. I mean, you 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 go into the off season and you round up Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, and Noah Syndergaard. I mean, you're going to be a fun team. When that happens and uh, they they really proved it that, you know, I don't think wins in the regular season, as long as you get into the playoffs, if you have the energy like this Phillies team has, you can go far and you can go to the World Series. Yeah, absolutely. And and another thing that we mentioned in that as we were breaking down the Phillies and Padres series on last week's episode, um, another thing I said was if this is a four or five game series, it's a Phillies series. If yep. it goes to six or seven games, that's where the advantage swings back to the Padres. Well, it was a five-game series, and yep. Philly absolutely dominated it. Um, you know, it's not. Like they, it, I was gonna say it's not like the Padres weren't in this series though. It was no. th- several of those games were close. Padres were leading in both games four and five late, mm-hmm. and had a chance to win this thing. And they did just the bullpen faltered on them twice. Yeah, and and a lot of people were questioning Melvin's 
um, you know, in game five, Melvin's choice to leave Robert Suarez out there and not bring Josh Hader in to face Harper in that situation. And for looking at the stats for Suarez on the year, he'd been dominant against both sides. It's not like he had a major split advantage or anything like that. And Harper hit that homer in the eighth inning. Josh Hader has routinely struggled trying to go with first, first off with runners on base coming into the game. He's absolutely struggled there. And then trying to go more than one inning, he's really struggled that second inning, trying to come back out after being sat down. So for everyone saying that the, the Melvin call was bad there, I think he actually made the right call there. It just didn't happen to work out in this situation. But if anyway, Bryce Harper doesn't, if Bryce Harper doesn't homer on that, then there's no question, right? Exactly. They would be lauding him for doing the right thing. So that, that's just that's irrelevant. Hater was dominant in the playoffs anyway, but he was not good in the regular season. So it's perfectly understandable to to try to avoid risk there. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I, I just my, my thoughts on the whole series. I mean, a couple things y'all didn't mention. You know, Manny Machado wasn't really that good. I mean, he had a 238. I know he hit a couple home runs, but he had a 238 on base percentage in the series. And, you know, Juan Soto, you know, he typically is he's – he's your star. And I know he hit a couple home runs as well, but he had a 333 on base, which for Juan Soto standards is like, you know, like 100 points lower than normal, what you would expect from him. So that was a couple things that, the, you know, the San Diego Stars didn't really perform. And you, you talk about Hater and that decision. And, 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 you know, Hater is a guy that he's had his postseason moments already. He hasn't been there a ton. But, I mean, you remember, you know, what happened last year when the Brewers put him in early and he gave up the game-winning home run in the, in the NLDS that sent the Brewers home. And you look at what happened in 2019 when he was with the Brewers and they put him in the game and his current teammate hit the triple that ended his, that ended the Brewer season. So, I mean, haters had a couple of dust-ups in the postseason, and, and after not being fantastic, the end of the, the season, uh, you know, that was a big deal. But, but the one thing that, you know, you kind of look at is the fact that, like you said, and I agree completely, a short series favors the Phillies. They're built for a short series because they have two really, really good pitchers, and Nola and Wheeler. And obviously, Nola did not have a good series. Uh, he had he only pitched the one game, gave up six runs. But, um, you know, Wheeler was able to win his two games, and all you needed was, you know, all you needed was two, two more, and you, you just needed your offense to have a big game one, once and then, you know, find a way to scratch out a close game. I mean, that's what you needed. So when Wheeler dominates two games, and I mean, typically you would get Aaron Nola dominating in another game. But, uh, you know, and, and the Padres pitching is just too inconsistent. I mean, Darvish is still good, um, you know, but, but you know, Blake Snell was the, kind of their number two in the postseason. And he just kind of, I mean, he's good, but he's not like, you know, he's not without faults. And, you know, they started Mike Clevenger in a game too who's terrible now. So it's like there was a lot of issues there for the Padres. I think this is a team that just – there's a lot of flaws with the, with the way the Padres were built, and we've kind of yeah. looked at that for a while. And obviously, you know, it's unfortunate with the Tatis thing, you know, happening and that they're not able to be a full-strength team the way they were built to be. But – I mean, this is a team that they've got a lot of flaws. I mean, they've made a lot of really, really, really bad trades. I mean, Shawn Mania 
and Mike Clevenger were two of them. I mean, those trades were pretty bad. And then it just doesn't Snell. The Snell trade would probably be bad if the return had struggled a little bit too. I mean, it's it's been one of those. They've their lineup's not super deep. I mean, they've got the two guys. They're kind of like the Cardinals in that in, the, in a lot of fast. They got the two guys in in their lineup that are good Manny Machado Juan Soto and then they got a couple other guys who are pretty good but I mean Jake Cronenworth we talk about how good he is he had a 727 OPS this year which is about average and his in the postseason he only in the in this series he only had a 585 OPS I mean it you know they were not the Trent Grisham went 0 for 19 by the way yeah I was gonna say he had been their postseason hero and he he went 0 for 19 and nine strikeouts well, yeah, I was just going to say that the bottom of the order for the Padres had been what had carried them through yeah. through the Mets, through the Dodgers series. And then you look at, you know, it's it was Ha-Sung Kim, Will Myers, Trent Grisham, uh, Austin Nola that were down there. Yeah. And the best one out of those in OPS-wise was, what, Ha-Sung Kim at a 440? Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. In, mean, in the series, it was, it was yeah. a 440 OPS. For those, I mean, the bottom of the order had been carrying them all the way through the playoffs, and we knew eventually that would fail. Like those guys can stay can stay hot for a little bit, but you need your stars to rise up eventually. And in this series, they didn't, and that's why they got beat. That's what it really comes down to. Um, but you know, moving on, looking at the the World Series. Whoa, whoa, whoa. wait, wait, wait. Before we move on, I just want to point out that only one of us picked the Astros and the Phillies. That is true. You did. I did. Yeah. Uh, and I you, you also said that you, picked, you also said to pick the Phillies the... To, uh, for reverse psychology there, though. We will say oh, that. That is on I record. I wanted the Padres to win, but the Phillies were way more fun. That was on record, though. I'm just saying. Oh, I, I picked know. the Padres on the same thing. So, hey, I really want to. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go ahead and, and jump over to the World Series breakdown and the World Series predictions. So we're going to have the Houston Astros against the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. I believe game one is on Friday night, Friday night, Friday night, uh, and that will be in Houston. So we'll go ahead and start with Matt. What is your your breakdown of this series and then give us your prediction? Um, well, I mean, in I- games, by the way, prediction in games. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was I was out of town last week, and I, I saw that after y'all had recorded that you wanted games as well. But um, they uh, this will this is gonna be an interesting series. Um, I think that uh, you know you kind of look at the you kind of look at the pitching matchups, and you would think that the the, the Astros top two and the and the Phillies top two are kind of a wash. I mean Verlander and Framber Valdez is kind of a evenly matched with Wheeler and Nola. I would I would say. I mean they're they're real close. Um, and but I think the depth of the Astros rotation is a lot better. I mean the Phillies have been kind of trying to scramble into that third guy, whether it's Ranger Suarez or Gibson or Cindergaard. I mean they're, they're, they're behind their top two. They're just not really set that well. And then I feel like the Phillies have been using the same reliever, kind of like the Braves did last year in a certain certain level but they've been using like two or three relievers and they're really overworking them right now because they don't have any depth in that bullpen and i think that really the only one of those that i would be really confident in is sir anthony dominguez i think he's been really really good but i mean i'm not very confident in zach eflin at all um and i mean i think alvarado 
he has his blow-up games every now and then, but typically he's pretty good. And I, I'm not super confident, and I wouldn't be super confident in Robertson either. Like, he's pretty good. He's kind of like Alvarado. But, um, I mean, the, the Astros, that their closer is locked down. Um, and really, I, I mean, the, the I think the lineup for the Astros is deeper. Um, you know, I think that obviously the top guys for the Phillies and the Astros are similar. I mean, Harper and Hoskins and you know, and Real Muto are kind of similar to, to Valdez, Altuve, you know, Bragg, Bragman. But then they've got Tuck or Gurriel. I mean, they've they just got so many deeper pieces. And, I mean, you look at the bottom of the, the Phillies lineup, you got, like, Brandon Marsh. I know he had a big home run in the division series, but it was off a guy who really isn't good anymore and Charlie Morton. And, I mean, the Astros don't have anybody that's going to just serve up home runs like that. And I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling that the – I have a feeling the Astros are going to win this series. Um, I think it'll be six games. The Phillies are going to get their wins. They're, they're going to win at least two games because I think the, they're going to win one of Nola and one of Wheeler's starts. They're, the, Nola and Wheeler are not getting shut out. But they're going to – I think the I think the Astros are going to win. They, the Astros have, have the experience. They're kind of set up a little bit better, I think, for the for the World Series. And, I mean, I, I, you know, they got the home field advantage – um, you know, I, I really, really like this Astros team. I think they're going to get it done and kind of make themselves known as more of a dynasty than a team that, you know, lost in the World Series a lot. So I, I've got the Astros. I think it'll be six games. I, I, th- I don't think it'll get to game seven, but I think the Phillies will win a couple. So, but it's going to be an interesting series for sure. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of picking this, Logic puts you on the Astros, right? I mean, we've we've gone into great length about the depth, the quality of the Astros roster. It's really good. Even their guys like Chaz McCormick are coming out in the playoffs and performing really well. Like Mar- Martin Maldonado had big hits in the last series. If that's happening, the Phillies have no chance, right? Like that's basically how it feels. I I just I'm I hearken my brain back to 2019 when a wild card team from the NL East who was dubbed as a team that was lucky to even be in the playoffs made it to the playoffs breaking, you know, and and then went in and won a couple of series and then made it to the world series against the Astros and then won. And in that, in the same sense, it feels very much like this, this Phillies team feels very much like that nationals team um, where there's a lot of flaws in the roster there's guys on there that I just do not think are going to perform very well, um, you know, and in, in, in where in a vacuum, I'm picking Houston 100 times out of 100, but it feels so much like that 2019 team where the Astros are very clearly confident. They're the favorite. They Everybody knows they got the Cy Young winner. They, they just, they're just they the best team. The, the possibilities for the Phillies are very, very good because they're the underdog and they know it and everybody knows it. And of course it's like a, it's Philadelphia. It's like Rocky, right? you know, the Rocky's the underdog, you know, he's, he's always Philadelphia, but they're, you know, it's a city that groups together. They band behind their guys. I think the, the, where the, the difference comes in this series is that is if Philly can take one in Houston in the first two games, that is going to set the tone for the series because I think once it gets to Philly, they play three games in a row in Philly. So it'll be very it, 
it's going to, you know, we're going to sound like a broken record. If they play a short series, if it ends in four or five games, this is a Philadelphia series because they are going to, they have to win one game in Houston. They go to Philadelphia. They might win all three in Philadelphia. So (laughs) if they start getting that momentum, it'll be all Phillies, but they have to win one of those first two games in Houston. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll say Phillies in five. They're going to sweep in Philly. It's, it's the underdog. It feels like it's the right thing that's going to happen. Um, it's completely illogical. The Astros are the better team, but this is baseball. The Phillies had an 87 wins. The Astros had 106. They both in the playoffs, they're matching up in the world series. That's how it works. Um, and that's what the beauty of it is. I, I don't hear any more complaining uh, after the the top seed in the AL went and went to the World Series, didn't lose a playoff game so far. Um, so I, I guess that's that's over now. But you know, I'll, I'll be interested if the Phillies do happen to pull this off. Um, if we start hearing some more, well, they shouldn't have even been in there complaining. So, damn you! That's all I want to say. <laughs> Because I wanted to be, if any of you guys watch College Game Day, I wanted to be the uh, the Kirk Herbstreit there. Or is it Kirk Herbstreit? Lee Corso. No, no. The one that always says, oh, I want the graphic so, not to oh. say, uh, not to be everybody. So I'm going to take the team that nobody else has picked. Because I thought both of you guys would go to the Astros and I was going to sneak in for the Phillies. Because for everything you just said. Yeah. It, it, it feels like 2019. It feels like... This postseason has already given us that. I mean, the the Dodgers losing to the Padres, the Mets losing to the Padres. Like those two teams should have easily ran ran to the next round of the playoffs, and they didn't. All right, the Phillies should have never beat the Braves. Like the Braves should have won that series. It just seems like this is the year that you kind of get that run of the team that shouldn't be there that happened to find a way just like it did in 2019 where like the nationals should have never won the game uh, against Milwaukee. They got lucky on the, uh, the air. I think it was by Trent Grisham of all people. And then, mm-hmm. and then they go in and they just beat down the Dodgers when nobody thought that would happen. And then they move on. And I don't even know who they beat. Was it the Braves? Did they beat the Braves that year who? in 2019? And Ash, yeah, Cardinals. The Cardinals. Oh, that's right. Okay. The Cardinals. And they beat the Cardinals, and then they go into Houston, you know, against the Astros. Nobody gave them a chance, and they find a way to win it. It really feels that way again. And I'm the only thing though is I just don't know if this team is deep enough to do it. Like, is deep yep. enough to like we you Matt just mentioned, they're using the same bullpen arms against this Astros team with a lineup of six people that we just said that can impact the game at any single time, you can't throw the same arms at them. At most, you're going to get four starts out of Nola and Wheeler, most likely three. Um, You know, the other one's probably going to have to come back on a short rest out of a bullpen out of necessity. But how long will David Robertson, Jose Alvarado, Zach Eflin, and Sir Anthony Dominguez really be able to hold up? Because those are the four guys they've been using, really. I don't know. The Phillies' defense is going to have to step up. They had really bad games against the Padres and were able to overcome it. But it just kind of feels like it's that 2019 year again, and and the Phillies are going to be that team that makes the run and and defies all odds and beats the the big, mighty Astros. 
Um, like it's kind of given that run for this postseason as well. But I'm gonna I'm going to go to the Phillies as well. But I'm gonna say Phillies in seven. Yeah. If it gets to seven, I mean they absolutely have a chance. I just don't know oh, yeah. about winning a must-win game in Houston. Um, you know, with with all the weapons the Padres have out of the bullpen, the Phillies have to to, to win all those Philly games and try to put it away in five or six if they're going to win it. I think it, the game seven in Houston is such an advantage for the the Astros. The Phillies just can't get there. But I say that the Nationals won game seven was, in Houston. I, I was literally going to say that too. Like <laughs> as much as I was just drawing comparisons, it's that exact same situation. Why I said seven. I was going to say y'all are talking a lot about the 2019. Nationals, but I think you got to remember with that team that they really struggled for two months in the season because they had like 20 injuries. And then when they got healthy, they were one of the best teams in baseball the rest of the year. And they were built to be one of the best teams in baseball. I don't think that's the case with Philly. I think Philly ran into a Braves team that had some injuries and really struggled pitching and kind of choked a little bit too in the postseason, you know, and then. I think they ran into a Padres team that had its own major flaws and won less than 100 games. I mean, less than 90 games. I, I don't think it's the same as that Nationals team that had like that. In, you know, I mean, that you got to remember that Nationals team. I think like they went on a tear of they were like 20 games under 500 at one point. They went on just an absolute tear for like four months and got into the postseason like so i think it's a it's a much different type of thing there honestly if i were to compare the phillies to somebody it might be last year's braves more just because you know they didn't have you don't have that super deep bullpen and the defense isn't great especially in the outfield with the braves last year and then you had a couple like horses on the you know at the top of your rotation but behind that it was kind of like mix and match that's probably what I'd compare it more to, and of course that you know that team beat the Astros last year. But uh, one other thing I want to I want to add in here that I don't know if we haven't really talked about at all since we've been breaking this down, but the Astros have no lefties in their bullpen too. That's kind of another thing to kind of look at because you know one of the things that you know. Oh man, we lost him. Yeah, I lost him right in the middle of that. But um, you know, along his lines is, is what he's going to say is. You know, the left-handed versus the left-handed matchup, we haven't really seen that become so much of a thing with the three batter minimums nowadays. But with no lefties in their bullpen, having to face Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber, um, and it don't, it, Bryson Stott's a lefty as well, um, but he's not to the same extent as um, as Harper and, and Schwarber, obviously. But, it, you know, not having a lefty in there definitely does put them at, at a disadvantage. And I wonder if they find a way to get some lefty in the bullpen at least. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting, interesting to say the least on that end. But, um, you know, how much do you think that will affect things, David? Um, I think it's an advantage to the Phillies, but I also think the Astros are smart enough to know that they might want to grab a lefty just for that familiarity standpoint um, where they can put somebody in that can, kind of handle Bryce and Schwarber late in the game. But I, if the Phillies are smart, they're going to stack Bohm or somebody who hits lefties really well between Bryce and Harper or Bryce and Schwarber just to, you know, make it so that it's difficult for the Philly, for the Astros to use one lefty without 
risking that that big home run. So that's where I usually um, would put probably Castellanos, maybe right? Yeah, or, Castellanos. Or, or he'd, he'd be the one. Yeah, they they got a lot. Of, the Phillies offense it's is super actually, good. Isn't Hoskins the one that's been hitting in two hole anyways? Yeah, I think it's been Schwarber, Schwarber Hoskins, Hoskins, Harper, Harper, Castellanos. Yeah, yeah. so actually. Yeah, something like that. That's probably how it will end up going anyways, because Hoskins kills lefties in the first place. Yeah, so, and he's been good. Yeah, but you know, looking back at it, just wrapping up on the predictions, Matt has the Astros over the Phillies in six. David has the Phillies over the Astros in five. And I have the Phillies over the Astros in seven. Um, so that will wrap it up for the World Series predictions and, and breakdown. But uh, anything else you want to you wanna wrap up on or look forward to? Through these, uh, I think we we'll, should have the first three games completed, and probably game four will be happening as we're recording uh, our next episode. So, anything you're looking forward to with that? No, let's get the World Series going and uh, off seasons after that. So, then comes free agency and trading and all the fun stuff. Yeah, the best time of the year, really. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week.